We have a lovely clear day yet again. It's uh, minus four, which is 24 Fahrenheit. 1006 millibars on the barometer. The wind, uh, oh no, it's from the west now. It was from the east. The flag can't make up its mind, I don't think. This is the interesting thing. Humidity, 69%. Now, here's the thing. The frost, normally when I look out to see whether it's frosty or not, is dark. And it was this morning. But I shone a torch down the garden. No frost anywhere. No frost on the shed roofs, the grass. No frost at all. And yet, both bird baths were solid ice. The pond's covered in ice. So what does that mean? Presumably there's no moisture in the air, or very little. 69%. I don't know how accurate these things are. You know, it says temperature this, humidity, percentage, whatever that. I'm not sure how accurate they are at all. But that is interesting. I think probably the first time ever that I've known it to be minus something and no frost. So that's highly interesting, isn't it? No, you're saying not really. Okay, <laughs> just before I go any further, I know some of you listen on uh, YouTube. I put the podcast episodes on YouTube and I've been asked by several people, could I make a playlist? Well, I've done that now on YouTube. Also, if you are listening on YouTube, you might not be aware that you can listen to the podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, is it? Uh, Podbean, look that up. Just put in Ray's Rants and it should come up. So you don't have to be stuck with uh, YouTube if you don't want to. I know several of you have said, I can't find a, a list on YouTube. Well, just go to the Podbean, Spotify, Apple site, something like that, and you'll find them all. Right, let's move on now. Granddads and transport. My granddad, back in the 50s, he had a bicycle. I was going to say that was his main form of transport. That was his only form of transport. He kept this bicycle in his garage and he had lights all over it. Do you remember the, the mods and rockers? Do you remember the mods on their scooters? They had spotlights all over the front of the thing and mirrors everywhere. Well, his bicycle was like that. He had a load of red lights on the back. It looked like a Christmas tree. I dared to say that to him one day. It looks like a Christmas tree. That's safety, he said. It's for safety on the front a load of lights, they all worked properly, all had batteries in them. He must have had five or six on the front and on the back. And I also dared to say to him, but, but you don't go out at night. You don't go out in the dark. No, but you never know, one day I might have to. So I'm prepared. I don't know, perhaps he'd been a boy scout or something. He was somewhat eccentric. You probably gathered that by now. Of course, very few people had cars back then. He had had a car. Apparently, he'd had a Rover. I don't know what model, but that would have been back in the 30s. The 1930s, he had a Rover. Now, this was the 50s when he'd gone over to a bicycle. And of course, if he wanted to go further, like into town, then he'd get on the bus. Buses were really well used back then, of course. Back in the 50s, 40s, 30s, well, 20s, I suppose. There's an old bus at Amberley Museum, a very ancient, I think it's a 1910 or whatever it is, uh, a bus. Is it a tramo car, they call it? And it's still working at Amberley Museum. I've been on it. It's great fun, a tramo car. And Tricia's grandma, was it her great-grandma, uh, she remembered taking that very bus that is now at Amberley along the seafront here at Worthing. She actually remembers using that tramo car. I remember as a child in the 50s, the milkman, his cart was pulled by a horse. 
we had a rag and bone man. Do you remember the rag and bone man? They used to shout, Rabbit! And you'd take out junk and chuck it on his cart. <laughs> his cart was horse-drawn, and I remember the coal being delivered with a horse-drawn cart. I've shown my age now, aren't I? How old am I? Are you thinking, how old is he? hundred and what? No, seriously, this was the 50s. Because I had a ride on the milkman's cart. He took me up the hill and back. He was delivering the milk and I sat up there and he let me hold the reins of the horse. And I was wobbling the reins. Come on, gee up. And all this stuff. Great fun. And I was, how old was I? I must have been less than five because we moved away from that area when I was five. Halfway up our road, well, and further, there's what they call a turning circle. Now, our road ended many moons ago where the turning circle is. You can see the change of houses. It's now open as one road. But the road ended there. And this big circle, what it was, the road just went into a big circle. And what that was for was for horses and carts to turn round. They couldn't reverse. You can't reverse a horse and cart. So what they did, they went to the turning circle, went all the way round the circumference of it, and then came back the other way. When they extended the road, there's another turning circle, a bigger one. Not quite sure what that was about. And then they extended the road again to meet the other road. So it's a, a straight through road now. All this was nursery land before any of the houses were built. It's really interesting looking back at the history of your local area. I often do that, find things online that are, are really interesting. Of course, before cars, there were bicycles. I mean, horses go back hundreds of years, obviously, probably thousands of years. But there were bicycles. Who remembers a time, none of you, I'm sure, when there were more bicycles on the road than there were cars? Now, that is a long time ago. When was the bicycle invented? Probably 18-something or other, way before cars were on the roads. And now we have far too many cars on the roads. It's absolutely gridlocked. Even round here, in our little sleepy town, well, it's not a sleepy town. Worthing is quite large, actually. But even round here, the side roads, it's like a massive car park in the daytime as well. What used to happen many moons ago, people that did have cars, they go off to work. So you'd see empty streets. There were no cars parked anywhere, or very few. People that had driveways no cars. In the evenings, people would come home from work and park their cars, of course. Whereas now, all the side roads are solid with cars, day, night, weekend, doesn't matter when. I love these old black and white films from the 50s, 60s, 70s, where you see the M1 motorway. The M1 motorway has now opened and there's film of the motorway and there's a handful of cars on the, on the M1 whereas now what is it four or five lanes gridlocked all mooching along at 10 miles an hour 15 miles an hour if you're lucky when we went to Milton Keynes and back to look at Bletchley Park the museum we had to go on the M1 for some of the journey nightmare we just all came to a halt and we're looking around what's going on just cars a sea of cars everywhere then it started moving we all move forward a little bit then we stop again then for some unknown reason everyone starts bombing off again at 70 miles an hour only for a little way and then oh, that's it hang on we're all stopping again it's strange isn't it going back to horses i remember my grandfather and other people the horse and cart with the milk or the coal 
would go down the street and people are running out into the road with buckets and spades collecting up the horse manure for their roses and what other plants use it, I don't know. And they're all cleaning up the road. I, I suppose it was a good thing, really. It kept the road clear of horse manure. And do you also remember the horses would have a, a nose bag? And this nose bag, it basically, it was a bag that they had their nose in. And there was food in there, hay or whatever it was. So they could have a, a bite to eat whenever they felt like it. And they'd have blinkers on each side of their eyes so they weren't distracted by the horses or cars, whatever might be going by. But I do remember these nose bags. They'd put their head down to rest the bag on the road so they could then put their head, their mouth in further to reach the food and eat it. Then when they brought their head back up again, they couldn't reach the food, if you see what I mean. I've just had a ding. What's that? Shall I tell you what the ding is? Nothing important. Well, forget that. Of course, horses weren't only used for pulling carts and things around the place. Look at the farms. They were pulling ploughs and machinery, all sorts of things, before tractors. And, of course, they were used... Oh, this is awful. The First World War. I saw something about that the other day. All the horses, hundreds of thousands of horses... They couldn't bring them back when the war was over, so they shot them. Isn't that awful? They couldn't bring them back. There was no way. Hundreds of thousands of them. So they all, they all got shot. That's awful. Horses are lovely, aren't they? Because then we had mopeds, uh, motorbikes, scooters, all that sort of thing. And do you remember the ordinary bicycles that had a petrol engine fitted inside the back wheel? My father had one of those. The piston was apparently the size of a cotton reel. Do you remember the old cotton reels? Do we still have those? And he used to go off to work on this thing back in the 50s, putting down the road. It was a weird thing. Half the time it wouldn't start, so he had to use it as an ordinary bike. It had pedals. And when it did start, it, it wasn't really much good. I think there was more noise and smoke than actual propulsion. But it was quite an interesting thing to watch. I, I used to enjoy looking at that, especially when he'd pedal off down the road, waiting for it to start, and it would putt, and there'd be a puff of smoke, and eventually it might burst into life. My cold's gone now. I've still got a bit of a rough voice, as you probably gathered. Urgh, very rough. Urgh. Hopefully that'll disappear. A little bit of a cough left. You're not interested in that, are you? What am I going on about? Of course, the best mode of transport that people really should do more of today is walking. Your legs, your feet, actually do some walking. I'm getting into that now as we're getting into, well, not getting into spring, are we, but getting through the winter. Beautiful day today. I've been out, I've walked around the shops and back. I had a haircut. Trish said, take a hat with you because when you come back, your head will be cold because I had a mass of hair. It did look like a fur hat. And I said, no, 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 that'll be all right. Do you know, walking back, my head was cold. It was freezing. I'd lost my hat. Listen to my wife. She's always saying, listen to your wife. I should have taken a hat. Not to worry, live and learn, or don't learn in my case. Beautiful sky out there, blue sky, sunshine. Minus six this morning at six o'clock, minus six degrees centigrade. My first car, a 1954 Hillman Minx, didn't have a heater. Cars didn't have heaters back then. It was an optional extra. So I had to get a heater from the scrapyard, get some hose pipe and all that business and fit it myself. Wire up the electric fan 
and some of the cars to turn the heater on and off. It wasn't a control on the dashboard as it is these days. You had to open the bonnet, the hood, and there's a tap under there, a water tap. You had to turn the tap on. So water flowed through the heater, which was in the car. Through the a little radiator it was, it flowed through that, which was in the car under the dashboard. And then there'd be a fan behind it to blow the warm air. There was no windscreen demisting, none of that stuff. And as I say, most cars didn't come with a heater or a radio. They were optional extras for a long, long time before they became standard. Back in those days, of course, families didn't travel very far. You didn't go far. Most families didn't have a car. So if they did want to travel anywhere, it would be by bus. Or if they were going on a holiday, say to Bogner, Butlins, Billy Butlins, Bogner, oh dear, we're going there. Don't mention the B word. But people would get the train. They get the train to Bogner Station and then buses laid on to take them down to the seafront where Butlin's holiday camp is. I nearly said was. I wish it was. Is. People just didn't travel far in those days. The dad went to work. The mum did the shopping and whatever. The kids went to school. They walked, of course, or, or got a bus if it was that far, or a bicycle. Back in the 50s, people didn't go up to London. Well, those commuted, yes, those that worked in London, of course. But you didn't have families going up to London for a day out, or very rarely, if at all. So it was bicycle or walking locally, reasonably locally anyway, a few miles. A bus, if it's further, then the train, if it's even further than that. Of course, as people started to get cars, they did start going further afield. I remember when our family got their first car, we started going out for picnics in the woods, quite a distance away, 10, 15 miles away. Whereas before, we would walk. We'd either walk to the beach, which was a mile away, or the closest woods, which was probably, I don't know, well, back then. In fact, we had woods all around us then, so that was only probably a few hundred yards. But to the really nice woods, you can look this up on the map, Thacombe, uh, Greatham, Fittleworth, all that area is fantastic. It's like forest, sort of foresty, but not quite. And the, the ground is all sand. I don't know why it's sand. Have a look, uh, look it up on something or other. I don't know, look it up on Google. Why is there sand all over the forest floor and in the woods up in those areas? Look it up on Google. I, I'll do that myself later, if I remember, which is highly unlikely. Trish just answered the landline phone. I was down there with her in the lounge. And this woman said, Hi, are you having a nice day? And Trisha said, It's Friday. <laughs> this woman, she put it on speakerphone. This woman said, Hello, yes, uh, I'm calling about life assurance. And Trisha said, I like Fridays. And the woman hung up. <laughs> she probably thought, oh, Goodness, I've got some crazy woman on the phone. And she hung up. So that's good. I wish they wouldn't phone, when they phone and I answer, hi, are you having a nice day? I'd just say I was till you phoned. I wish there was some way to stop these nuisance calls. Going back to bicycles, I remember, I expect you do, ladies' bicycles without the crossbar, a basket on the front and a saddle bag or two bags down each side of the back wheel. If a mum had a lot of shopping to do or the shops were quite a distance, she'd take her bike do the shopping and put it in the basket on the front and the saddlebag, put stuff in there, potatoes and vegetables. 
and all the gear like that. Now, that was a good setup, wasn't it? That was a good idea to go on your bicycle. And of course, a lot of the shops, they would deliver. I remember that, as I said, was it last Wednesday on the midweek message? I remember my mum going into the, the shops, order a load of stuff, I'll have all that. And the chap would say, right, we'll deliver that. Be about half an hour, will you be back by then? Oh, yes, I'll be home. Right, we'll see you in about half an hour. And they deliver it, free of charge. If that sort of thing happened these days, if you could pop over... Well, people don't pop over the local shops, though, do they? They go to the supermarket and get a mass weekly shop. They don't go pop over the local shops for a cabbage or a bag of tomatoes anymore. It's a shame. Just changing the subject. Do you remember Alastair Cook, Letter from America? He did that for years. He was in America. He lived in America, English chap. And once a week... He would send a 15-minute recording. He had a reel-to-reel tape recorder. I don't know how he got it back to the UK. But he'd do a 15-minute recording about America. Local things, like a local shop he'd been into and whatever was going on in America. A 15-minute chat on tape, which he'd then send back here. And the BBC would put it out. I think they did it on a, was it a Friday evening and a Sunday? They put this recording out. And it was really interesting I remember as a kid, not really interested in journalists and news, but it was interesting listening to Alastair Cook. Look him up on Google. I think a lot of the recordings they were saying, they have saved and you can listen to them online. So that's something I might be doing. The reason I mention that is I was talking to an audio engineer in the week and I was talking about mixers and microphones and studios and podcasts and all this stuff and I said to him is it a good idea to have a a completely dead environment no kind of ambience at all and of course it's obvious what he was going to reply it depends if you're the BBC newsreader on the radio then yes you want a completely dead room if you're doing a podcast like I am then no, you want a bit of echo in the room, a bit of ambience, as they call it these days. So it's difficult, isn't it? As he said, you can't please everyone. Everyone's ear will be different. Everyone's preference will be different. But I just thought I'd mention I was chatting to an audio engineer in the week. Quite interesting. My cousin, back in the 70s, this would be, he was uh, an audio engineer for Decca Records. And he used to, people like Anita Harris... Apparently she'd say that she wanted my cousin, you know, she wanted him to do her or on the mixer desk, you know, in the studio. Massive mixer desk. Makes my little mixer look minute. But she wanted him, my cousin, Bobby. She'd always say when she went to record a record, I want Bobby on the desk. So that was good. I don't know what he's doing now. I think he lives down in Cornwall or Devon, down that way somewhere. Obviously retired. I know I've mentioned this before, but so many of you have said... You like hearing the dustman. You know, the dustman crashing around outside with with the bins and bottles smashing and things in the back of the cart. A lot of you have said you like that because it brings the the episode to life. There are things here. I'm, I'm living in a real world. This is happening now as I speak. Others have said, oh, we don't want that noise. That's all that background noise is silly. We don't want it. Cut it out. It's difficult to know what to do. All I can do is go by the majority. And the majority of you like to <laughs> you like to hear the dustman. I don't know. Isn't it strange? When my workshop was in the shed, 
I very rarely got any peace and quiet. There were seagulls, pigeons, crows and squirrels on the roof. So I'm trying to repair vintage radios and I've got this noise on the shed roof. There were fights going on, all sorts. I still have to go outside the shed. Get off, you lot. Look, God, clear off. Of course, they'd all disappear. Then 10 minutes later, they're back again. I don't know what they were fighting over. There was no food on the shed roof. But it would have been impossible to record podcast episodes in the shed. But with all that going on, and of course, then someone would start mowing the lawn with a motor mower or electric mower. All sorts of things going on. So I'm far better in here, in my <laughs> my high-tech studio, which it isn't. Actually, I've just remembered some of the early podcast episodes were recorded in my workshop, which was The Shed. And I remember, do you remember, vaguely, those that have been with me forever, my sort of signature tune or whatever was Seagulls. I was continually plagued by seagulls screeching overhead or on the roof. And I remember saying, that'll have to be my signature tune, Screaming Seagulls. So I did record the episodes out there. That's a long time ago, isn't it? I mentioned pubs last Wednesday, the midweek message, and how they used to be and how now they're, they're just restaurants. I do miss the pubs. So many of you have emailed me. We miss the pubs. We miss the good old British traditional pub where people would sit on a bar stool at the bar. That could be annoying on a Friday night. You've got a row of people sitting at the bar, so you can't buy your drinks. You'd have to sort of lean over their shoulders, pass your glass over. And of course, they got beer slopped on them. <laughs> I remember that, taking a pint of beer from the barmaid and it's slopping over someone's shoulder. Well, they shouldn't sit there, should they? In the end, they took bar stools away. Or some pubs started off by having a serving area. Don't sit or hang around here. Clear off, get your beer and clear off. The notice didn't say that exactly. But there were serving areas and then they got rid of bar stools altogether because so many people sitting at the bar, you couldn't get there. And on a Friday night, Saturday night, it was six deep at the bar, six deep in people. So you're waiting for a beer, you want to get served, you're kind of waving a glass in the air. There's a row of people on bar stools at the bar and then six deep of people try to get to the bar to get served. That's why it was so handy to be a regular at your local pub. The bar man or the bar lady would see you at the back waving your glass and she'd just point to the hatch at the end of the bar, just round the corner, where there weren't people standing because that's where the staff came in and out collecting glasses. So you go around there, they get your beer. Whether you're in the queue or not, doesn't matter. You're a regular, you're a local, they get your beer. But I do remember bar stools. I used to like sitting on a bar stool at the bar, but then I changed. As they started getting rid of the bar stools, I preferred to stand at the bar. We did that. Can you imagine getting to the pub at six in the evening and standing there till 11 at night <laughs> drinking? I, mean, I didn't do that. I was an upright pillar of the community. But I know people that did, they get there at six and stand there till 11 or half 11 and then walk home. Well, stagger home anyway. But I do miss the old pubs. They were great. They were part of British English life. You know, it was the pub was at the heart of the local community. It was it was fantastic. And what was it? John Clee said that particular avenue of pleasure has since been closed off. I think Sybil, that was 40 Towers, Sybil, his wife, was telling him off about gambling 
And he said, oh, no, gambling did. No, 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 that's a particular avenue of pleasure has since been closed down or something like that. He wasn't allowed to gamble on the horses. <laughs> I remember several people going to the pub on the bike. You know, they'd get their bicycle out and chain it up round the back of the pub in the car park and then cycle home somewhere. I think it's illegal to cycle uh, when you're drunk in charge of a bicycle or something. I think you can be done, but obviously you haven't got a license to lose points on or you can't be banned from driving. Can you be banned from <laughs> banned from riding your bike? I don't know. The best thing, of course, if you go into the pub, is to walk, walk there and walk back. Bit of fresh air as well after after a session. Happy days. Going back to transport, school buses were never a thing here. I don't think we ever had school buses. Certainly not where I lived, anyway. In America, of course, you've got those big yellow school buses, haven't you? Pick up all the kids from various places and then drop them all off later. We just use ordinary public buses. Would have been a good idea, actually, to have school buses. Mind you, there were 600 boys at my school, my secondary school. Would have been a lot of buses, wouldn't it? How many do you get on a, a bus, a coach-type bus? 30, 50, is it? Would have been a lot of buses, I suppose. But I do think that would be the answer these days if they had school buses, rather than all the mums and dads dropping kids off in cars and picking them up in cars, why not have one bus that goes round, picks them all up, chucks them out at school, <laughs> drags them all out in the afternoon and dumps them back at home? That's an idea, isn't it? Probably fine, that's against the uh, European Court of Human Rights or whatever they call themselves. Not allowed to do that. Do-gooders would stop that. No, nope, can't have kids on buses. No, against the law. <laughs> against the law. I nearly said something rude then. One of these days I'm going to swear on here and forget to edit it out. And I'll get loads of emails. I bet loads of emails, I bet 98% of them would say, more, we want more of that, more swearing. <laughs> a little story for you. A friend of mine, Ken, he started going out with a girl, Katie. Now this girl lived with her brother and uh, he, he was a bit of a recluse, her brother. He wouldn't go to the pub. You know, whenever she came in the pub, she was on her own. And she was always saying, oh, he's boring, you know. But she lived with her brother, just briefly, because their parents had split up and gone their own ways. And her and her brother, his, his name was Colin, they had nowhere to live, so they rented a place together. I think their parents had only split up about six months previously. So they're renting this flat together. He was a bit of a recluse. And Katie, she got together with uh, this friend of mine, Ken, and they started going out with each other. And uh, after, it must have been two or three months they'd been going out. They'd often come in the pub together. Never saw her brother being a bit of a recluse. And apparently, according to Katie, he never had a girlfriend. And, and he was a bit shy. So she was quite happy just to leave him back in the flat that they rented. Whenever I saw Ken, he used to say that uh, he and Katie were getting on really well together. And all us lot in the pub thought, that's it. You know, they're going to be together for life. It was that good. They didn't always come in together. Sometimes he'd bring her in or they'd go out somewhere else for a meal or whatever it was they did. And then one day, Ken came into the pub. He looked miserable. And I said, you all right, Ken? He, oh, yeah, 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 I'm all right. And I said, well, you're obviously not. What's the trouble? It's Katie, he said. We just had a few arguments and we've not been getting on. I don't want to talk about it. He went and sat on his own and spent the next couple of hours on his own just drinking beer. 
He really did look miserable. I don't know what had happened, but I thought, well, I'll leave him alone. I won't interfere. He obviously wanted to sit on his own and contemplate whatever it was that had happened. I saw Katie a couple of days later over at our local shops. And I went up to her and said, hi, how are you doing? And Oh, yeah, I'm all right, she said. She didn't seem too unhappy. And I said, uh, I saw Ken in the pub the other night and he said you two weren't getting on too well. I probably shouldn't have said that because it was none of my business, but I wanted to find out what the problem was. I liked them both and I didn't want to see them splitting up. Oh, it's nothing, she said. Oh, just, just an argument. It's nothing to worry about. And then Colin came out of a shop. And I said, oh, hello, Colin. Hello, he said. He was very shy and started to walk off. I said, anyway, Katie, I hope it's going to be all right with you two. It'd be a shame if anything goes wrong. No, 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 it's fine, she said. As she walked off with Colin, I heard him say to her, what was the trouble? What was he talking about? And then they got out of my earshot so I couldn't hear. She probably didn't want to discuss it with her brother because, uh, same as me, really, it was none of his business. A few days later, I was in the pub. I hadn't seen Ken for a while. And Katie came in on her own. And we took our drinks over to a table and sat down. And uh, I said, oh, no Ken tonight. She said, no, no, I've not seen him for a while. I said, no, I haven't. I haven't seen him for a few days. I asked her whether they were OK. And she said, oh, there are problems. I don't really want to talk about it. So fair enough. OK. I said, that's fine if you don't want to talk about it. And then she said, well, the thing is, I've got no one to talk to. My mum and dad split up, as you know. They've moved away. I can't speak to either of them apart from on the phone. And I can't speak to my brother about it. So I said, well, I'm here if you want, if you want to have a chat. She looked down at her drink and fiddled with her glass for a minute or two. She was a lovely girl. She was early 20s. I think her brother was a couple of years older than her. She was a lovely girl, very friendly, very chatty quite attractive. Then she looked up at me. There's a huge problem, she said. Colin isn't my brother, is my husband. To say I was stunned would be an understatement. Stunned, gobsmacked, I just shocked. I couldn't believe it. Her husband? I didn't know what to say. I just looked at her, just stared open-mouthed at her. Eventually I said, your husband? Which was a stupid thing to say. Yes, she said, my husband. We sat in silence for a few seconds, seemed like about an hour. And I said, Ken's obviously found out. Yes, she said, and that's the end of us. I didn't want to question her because, again, as I've said before, it was none of my business. But why on earth would she pretend that her husband... I just didn't know what to think or what to say. She finally opened up and said that her husband was boring. Well, I realised that. He was a recluse. I also knew that except I thought it was her brother. He wouldn't go out anywhere. He was miserable. He was no fun at all. She wanted children. He didn't. And she was just looking for, as she put it, looking for love, looking for a proper relationship. Understandable, but to lie to Ken like that, had she said from the outset that it was her husband and told him the truth, he might have then understood and stayed with her, tried to help her or whatever, I don't know. But to come out with a massive lie like that, everyone in the pub thought it was her brother. I suppose as Colin never came into the pub and wasn't likely to, she thought she could get away with it. But not forever, surely. I don't know what she'd intended to finally say to Ken. 
I know that Ken had been pretty serious and once or twice over the months he had said about spending his life with Katie and I think on one occasion he'd mentioned marriage. So how on earth was she going to deal with that situation when it cropped up? I don't know what to do, she said. I want to be with Ken and I want to leave my husband. I said, well, the best thing you can do then is first of all tell Ken everything, tell him the truth. Oh, I have, she said, I have. I've told him everything. I've told him everything about Colin. So I said, right, the first thing to do then is to leave your husband, surely. Leave him, get a place on your own and then say to Ken, look, here I am on my own, I've left him. Whether that was a good idea of mine or not, I really didn't know what to think. Katie finished her drink and said that she had to go and that was the end of that. I hadn't seen either of them for something like three weeks until one evening they came into the pub together. They both looked happy, they smiled at me and said hello and I thought that's it, that's good, they've solved it. I wonder whether she took my advice. Apparently they'd had a good long chat together. Colin had known, that's her brother, well her husband, Colin had known what she was up to and moved out. He'd gone his own way so, <laughs> so Ken had moved in with Katie into Katie's rented flat. It was all rather bizarre but even more so when Katie said to me that Colin had been seeing someone else all along. So I don't know what sort of situation that was. It seemed that everyone was happy. They all lived happily ever after. <laughs> in fact Ken and Katie did get married because I'm talking about years ago. And they had children, and yeah, everyone lived happily ever after. What a strange setup, though, isn't it? How does the saying go? Truth is stranger than fiction. Certainly was in this case. Just had another daft weather headline. UK weather latest. Warnings for snow and ice extended as Arctic freeze blasts UK. It's truth. <laughs> Arctic freeze now. We're being blasted. Several of you have asked about the, you know, I used to do the news flashes. I get a little sign come up on my watch. There'd be a little tune on my phone or my iPad to say there's a news alert or a news flash. And I'd read them out if they were important. Well, I stopped doing that because one or two of you didn't like it. But quite a lot of emails, where are the news flashes? They were interesting. So, OK, only the important ones, though. I won't read out waste of time ones, which a lot of them are, to be honest. And I won't read them out in the middle of something important that I'm saying, something important, listen to me. Do I say anything important? You know what I mean. I think that was the problem one or two people had. I'm in the middle of telling you something and then, oh, hang on, news flash, and I go off on that and then come back to what I was telling you. I suppose that can be annoying. Last Wednesday on the midweek message, I was saying, where do you listen to the podcast episodes? Where and when? Had a few answers. Frederick, hello Frederick, he listens in the bath. Could he believe it in the bath? Well, why not? Sounds like a good idea to me. Then who else have we got on my list here? Tim. Tim, he says he listens while his wife's watching soaps on the telly. He puts ear pods, are they pods or pads? He puts those in his ears and listens to the podcast episode uh, in his words while she watches rubbish on the telly. <laughs> that's good oh and hang on I missed the last bit he pretends he's listening to the program she can't see the earpod things because he's got long hair that's excellent so he just nods and looks at the telly and whatever she says that oh yes yes of course <laughs> I can just imagine that and it's listening to me that's dreadful Simone listens while she's cooking she likes cooking and she has the 
has the podcast episode on while she's doing that, which is, hello, Simone, if you're listening. Oh, this is good. I've got a few more uh, on my list. William, <laughs> he listens in the summer. He says he listens in the garden, in a deck chair, in the garden with a beer. Oh, with a beer. Oh, roll on summer. It won't be long now, will it? it oh, it can't be too long now. I'm really fed up with this cold weather. I've heard from Susan. Hello, Susan. You say that you wish the midweek messages were longer because I said something about, what was it, last Wednesday? I hope you're not bored or something. And she says, not bored at all. Wishes the midweek messages were longer. They would be. It's a bit difficult to know what to do, isn't it? I have thought, because someone suggested a year or so ago, why don't you do a podcast episode every day? Well, I, <laughs> I do have other things to do. This is the problem. I'd love to sit here every day and chat to you for an hour or two. I think you really would find that boring, to be honest. But I do have other things to do. I have to feed the squirrels and mow the lawn and sit in the garden in a deck chair in the summer with a beer. <laughs> I've got that image in my mind now. Great to hear from you, Susan. Thanks. Oh, here we go. Here's a, an alert. What's that one all about? Nothing important. I won't let that interrupt the flow. Ray, you mentioned talking pictures. You're watching a thing about Blackpool in the old days. I like talking pictures. In fact... February the 5th, I believe, at 6.30 on the Talking Pictures channel, they are doing the Jack Hargreaves uh, episode one of Out of Town with Jack Hargreaves sitting in his shed. Well, half a shed in the corner of the studio, of course. They were really brilliant, the Out of Town. Did, who remembers those? Out of Town with Jack Hargreaves. He's out in the countryside doing fishing and all sorts of countryside things with horses and everything fantastic so i'm looking forward to that 5th of february 6 30 that's uk time and well it would be uk time because you can't watch it in america can you get um can you get our programs in america some of them like the the uh, talking tv thing we watch scotland yard on that as well that's a good one that's a good one to look out for anyway enough of that let's move on Several of you have mentioned granddad stories. Uh, where are we? James <laughs> said his granddad had a motorbike and his granddad was really old and he'd insist on riding this motorbike around. And one day he drove, he was coming into the driveway and he had wooden gates on the, the front. Of the, this is in the 50s, he's saying. And he drove straight through the wooden gates into the bushes and that was it. Uh, James's grandma then said, that's it, get rid of that motorbike, you're not doing that anymore. Malcolm, Malcolm says that his granddad didn't do much in the way of cycling or anything, but his grandmother had a moped. Do you remember the mopeds? A friend of mine still got one, actually. She used to go around on a moped with her crash helmet. So that's a good form of transport, the moped. They don't go too fast, they're cheap to run. But his granddad, he wouldn't do it. It was all down to his grandma on the moped. Excellent, thanks for that. You remember I was asking about nosy neighbours. Do you have nosy neighbours? I only have one reply to that, uh, so far anyway, and that was from Helen. She says her, <laughs> her neighbours, they've put a camera up in a tree facing her garden. She has no idea why. The neighbours are quite friendly. It's just that they put this camera up there and she's not sure why. She doesn't like to ask. Well, I'd ask if I were you, Helen. It's probably something innocent. They probably aimed it at a bird or something where birds gather. I don't know. I'm sure they're not looking at you, Helen. If they are, you'll have to give them something to look at. Now, that remind I better not go into that. A friend of mine, I just briefly, I'll give you the idea. A friend of mine was a bit worried because his neighbours were funny. 
they didn't get on with him and he didn't get on with them. And they put a camera up looking into his garden. And <laughs> in the summer, uh, suffice to say, he enjoyed sunbathing naked. I'll leave that one. <laughs> what is it they say on Twitter? I'll leave that there. Do you remember the Boy Scouts back in the good old days? They had Bob a Job Week and they go around in their uniform so you knew they were genuine. So you knew that people like me just going around in jeans and T-shirts saying, I'll do a Bob a Job, I'm a Scout and I'm not at all. <laughs> would I? Stone the crows. But the Scouts would go around, usually in pairs, knock on a door, Bob a Job Week. A Bob was a shilling, which was 12 old pennies. What's a shilling? Five new pence. A new pence. Listen, it's been out for 100 years. 5p these days. I wish they'd called them cents. I wish we'd had pounds and cents, like the Americans have dollars and cents. It would have made more more sense. Excuse the pun. <laughs> I mustn't laugh at my own. Anyway, so what they used to do was knock on a door and a, a housewife, because I could say that, you see, because back then there were housewives. You could call ladies at home housewives. Do it these days. And what was that? The, as I said earlier, the uh, European court of whatever will come and arrest you. You can't call her a housewife. It's against the law. Anyway, moving on. So the lady would say, oh, yes, I could do with the windows cleaning at the front. And she gives them a bucket of water and a cloth or whatever. And they do the windows for a bob, a shilling. And they clean a car, if there was a car, whatever they wanted doing. Someone might have a, a bicycle with a puncher. Could you do the puncher for me? There's the puncher outfit. And they, they would do that. It was a good idea. I don't know whether that would work these days. Well, they wouldn't want a shilling. It would be it would be 50 quid a job, wouldn't it? <laughs> Knock on the door. Hello, it's 50 quid a job week. Want your windows cleaning? Well, I'm not paying 50 quid. Well, you can off then. <laughs> Very different times, aren't they, today? It's a shame. Anyway, I mustn't go all nostalgic. Let's move on. Another email here from Ray. There was a warehouse with a load of land round it. The land backed on to a row of houses. So the people in the houses thought, oh, what we'd do, we're Nixon warehouse land. So they move, <laughs> they move their fences and they put sheds and greenhouses and all sorts there, which was fine until the owner of the warehouse decided to sell up the warehouse and the land. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? The people had to move their sheds and greenhouses and whatever back into their proper part of the garden and move the fences back. I don't know why people do it. I know a chap. He bought his council house that he was in. He bought it. And next to the council house was a, a bit of grass land, like on the corner of the street. And he thought, well, I'll have that. So he built a garage on it and put a fence all round. What happened? The council made him pull it down, take the fence down, and they took their land back. You, know, you can't just do that. You can't steal land. As Ray says, you, know, you wouldn't go and steal a loaf of bread from a shop. Well, most people wouldn't. So you can't steal land. Talking of stealing things, just a quick story for you. Years ago, I used to go to this little pub, quite a nice little pub, and got to know the landlord quite well. One or two of us did. And the landlord was saying to us one day, out of earshot of other people in the pub, he said, you know, I'm losing beer. I'm losing 15 to 20 pints a week of lager. And we're saying, well, you know, where's it going? What do you mean losing it? And he said, I've worked it all out. The draymen drop off the barrels. I know how many barrels are coming in. They take the empties. I've watched them take the empties. Same amount of empties as the barrels coming in. I can't work out what's going on, but I'm definitely losing 15 to 20 pints of lager a week. 
and we were saying, well, we, you know, we haven't seen any of the staff giving free pints to any of their friends or anything like that. Where's it going? Someone suggested the, the beer lines, the pipes might be leaking. No, he said, no, I've checked all the pipes. Everything's fine, no leaks anywhere. Can't work it out. Now, the empty barrels were put out of the back of the pub where the car park was. And he started going out there, checking them. Right, there's the empties, there's six empties there. The drayman came, they took the six empties, and all this, he, he checked everything. And double-checked and quadruple-checked, but there was still, according to his figures, he was still down 15 to 20 pints of lager a week. It was a brewery-owned pub, and he didn't want to get into trouble with the brewery. He didn't want them accusing him of being on the fiddle. I'll keep it short, because, as I said, it is quite a long story. He noticed one day, one morning, he was checking the empties. One of them wasn't empty. This is out the back of the pub near the car park. One of them was about a quarter full. He could tell just by lifting it up. With a felt-tip pen, he drew an X on it underneath the barrel where it couldn't be seen. A couple of days later, it disappeared. But there were the same amount of empties there, but the one with the X had gone. Some days later, the barrel with the X came back but it was empty so someone was obviously nicking a, a quarter of a barrel they were changing the the lager barrel before it was empty putting it out the back taking it away putting an empty in its place blah 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 he found out who it was he started spying and it was uh, one of the barmen what he was doing was changing the barrel when it was only a quarter full put it out the back put it in the boot of his car and take an empty out of the boot of his car to put back and he converted his shed at home into a pub. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, he was a thief. Talking of stealing things like land, this was beer. 15 to 20 pints, if not more, sometimes he reckoned, that was going missing. In the pub, now you need gas, you need the CO2 gas, don't you? You need a tap. The pub had been refurbished about a year before, and he'd taken bits and pieces that were going to be chucked out. He nicked a gas cylinder somehow, he nicked the beer lines, the tap for on the bar, all sorts of bits and pieces, the fitting to go on top of the aluminium. Are they aluminium? I think they are. On top of the barrel. And he set up his own pub. And he was sitting in his shed in his own little pub, enjoying free beer. Of course, the police were called in and he was prosecuted. So that put an end to his little scam. No doubt there are scams going on all over the place and a lot of people aren't aware of it. Just going back to transport again, I know more than one or two people that won't use their feet, they won't walk, they won't use their legs. Even if they want to pop down to the local shop, they take the car. And of course that's no good for the environment, is it? Because you're polluting the air. It's no good for your health, because you're lazy <laughs> and won't walk anywhere. People won't though, will they? I know several people. They just won't walk anywhere. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I try to walk as much as I can. Wherever it is we're going, within reason, obviously, I will walk. I won't walk in the lashing rain. I know there are people that say, oh, put on your wet weather gear, you'll be fine. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend three hours getting ready in a load of waterproof gear, go for a walk, get home again, spend another three hours taking all the gear off and drying it. I can't be bothered. I'd rather wait till the rain stops, to be honest. Having said that, there is something rather nice about a walk in the forest in the rain. I don't mean torrential lashing rain. I mean just ordinary rain coming down from the leaves. It's lovely in the forest. 
The trouble is you've got to get to the forest and there aren't any forests or woods or anything near me anymore. There were, there used to be lots, but they're all now concrete. We don't have woods, we have concrete jungles as they're known as these days. Concrete everywhere. And of course everywhere floods. Wonderful. What a brilliant idea. Let's build on the floodplain. Let's build right next to that river. Because we know when it overflows it floods that field. Right, we'll build a housing estate there. Another brilliant idea. It makes me wonder who these idiots are, as I've said before. Idiots sitting behind desks, looking at a map. Oh look, a floodplain. That's good. The farmers can't use the field to grow anything, so it's not agricultural because it floods. Tell you what, let's put a block of flats there. <laughs> OK. And the flats end up like the leaning tower of Pisa because, because all the foundations get soaked and the whole thing falls over. I've always called it the Leaning Tower of Pizza. It's Pizza, isn't it? Not Pizza. <laughs> One of my grandchildren corrected me, oh, it must be a year ago. I was talking about the Leaning Tower of Pizza. It's not Pizza, Grandad. <laughs> Happy days. Just going back to the chap that stole the beer from the pub, you were allowed, you probably still are these days in pubs, a certain amount of what they call ullage, U-L-L-A-G-E, ullage. That is spilt beer, wasted beer. For example, when you clean the pipes, you put the detergent through the beer pipes, pull all that through, then flush it out with water or whatever you do, and then you've got to pull the beer through. That's if it's a, like a beer engine, you know, the thing they pull on the bar, to, the pump thing. And of course, you've got to have the first pint or two, which is, well, ullage, you throw it away. But of course, you're not allowed 15 or 20 pints of lager a week as ullage you can't put that amount down it's just ridiculous i remember because i worked in a pub only for a few months many years ago and the barrels of guinness had their own gas in them they had a cylinder of gas actually inside the barrel so you didn't need the external gas pipes and i remember this chap one evening i wasn't working that night i was the customer side of the bar I just popped in to see the, what was I doing, probably pick up my wages or something, because I didn't go into the pub as a customer. I just worked there. Actually, it wasn't a few months, or perhaps it was, a couple of months. I didn't like it. One of the customers, he said, oh, I'll change the Guinness, because the, the chap was busy, the landlord was busy. And he mucked it up. He came back out of the cellar, and the landlord said, oh, thanks for that, and he's trying to get the Guinness. Says, there is no Guinness, it's not coming through. Anyway, he hadn't put the thing on the Guinness barrel properly. By the time the landlord got down there, everywhere there's Guinness spurted all over the place, all over the cellar, everywhere's dripping in Guinness. Oops. Oh, that was, that. I mean, it wasn't funny, you know, it was awful, but uh, he shouldn't have let a customer do it. This customer was a know-all. Oh, I can do that. I know how to change barrels. I can do this. He was one of these people that knew everything about everything, you know. You must have met the type. I know one. I better not mention any names. A friend of mine said to me the other day, you ought to join the bowls club. You know, bowls, bowling out on the green, on the grass. I said, that's for old men. He said, you are an old man. I thought, that's nice. That's nice, isn't it? I'm not that old. Actually, I have often thought about bowls, but I think it's indoor bowling. There's one near us. Actually, it's just round the corner between here and our club. But I think it's indoor bowling. I don't know, though. The trouble is, now here's the thing. With clubs, societies, affiliations, get-togethers, all this business, 
there's always one group that, oh, that group don't speak to that lot. He doesn't speak to them. They don't like him. They argue about this. They want the, oh, honestly, all clubs, whatever you want to call them, associations and stuff, it always ends up the same. Little niche groups, they don't speak to them and they don't speak to that lot. I really can't be bothered with it. I wouldn't mind having to go at bowls, but I don't want to be dragged into all that. It's not the politics of it, really. It's, well, pathetic school children like behaviour, isn't it, really? Our club up the road that we go to, that's it's not that sort of club. It's just a club. It's like a pub, basically. It's just a pub and we sit there and one or two people we know we chat to, but there's not that atmosphere where they speak to that lot and they don't speak to that lot. None of that business. Talking of school children, well, not children, teachers. Susan, in Germany. How are you? I haven't heard from you for a while. I hope you're all okay over there. Quite a few people that I haven't heard of for a long time. But this happens, doesn't it? I get emails from people and then they get busy with other things. In fact, it's a good job that everyone doesn't email me all the time because I would be, <laughs> be getting several hundred emails and I wouldn't be able to answer them all. Well, that's 50 minutes, coming up to 50 minutes worth of uh, not boring, according to some people, which is good. Banter and uh, chatter and whatever. Going back to Alistair Cook, I was talking about earlier, Letter from America. I wouldn't have minded, perhaps in the earlier days of doing something like that, Letter from England that they put on in America. That would be good. I think that would be quite enjoyable, actually. 15 minutes a week, as I said, he'd get his tape recorder. And I don't know how he sent the tapes over to over to England. I wonder what he did there. Unless he... No, because they were proper recordings of him. It wasn't like over the telephone or someone else reading it. It was Alistair Cook's voice every week. Must have flown the tapes over, something like that. But that would be quite good, wouldn't it? A letter from England. How about that? A letter from Britain. I don't suppose people are interested these days, are they? I wonder how many people would be interested if there was someone doing Letter from America these days. I would be. It's only 15 minutes a week. I, I think I'd listen to that just to catch up with what's going on, the gossip and whatever else. Just going back to pubs once again. I won't go on about pubs too much. Actually, yes, I will. I like pubs. This chap, he was a right gossip, a real gossip. And what we used to do was feed him false information, okay? Hoax, was it these days? Hoax news, a fake news or something. Disinformation. And one chap said to him, oh, so-and-so behind the bar, she's getting divorced. And he said, really? Yeah, she's been seeing someone else. And of course, he went round telling people. It wasn't meant to be malicious. It was meant to be fun. But it got out of hand. There's this rumour going around that the lady, I was going to say girl, but she was what, late 20s, 30s? She was happily married and there's this rumour going round, she's seeing someone else and she's going to get divorced. Because she got to hear of it and she went ballistic. She went mental. And anyway, this chap who was the gossip, he didn't, whether he got thrown out or barred, banned from the pub, I don't know, but uh, he disappeared. We didn't see him again in the pub. It was okay initially when we started giving him misinformation. It was nothing serious. But this idiot friend of mine went and said, oh, she's getting divorced. And of course, that kicked the whole thing off. We used to have fun back in the old days in my teens and early 20s in the pub. It was good fun. Not like these days, as I've said uh, recently, 
people don't seem to have fun anymore, do they? Why is everything banned? Everything that's good fun is banned. Do you remember I talked about playing conkers at school? That's been banned. Mummy's little soldier might get bruised knuckles. Oh, we can't have that. He'll have to have a week off school. <laughs> i got to end on this because I see we're coming up to the hour. In the good old days, we used to graze our knees, have cuts and bruises, go home with a, a big bump on your forehead or graze, elbows and knees grazed. Excellent. Happy days. I must just tell you what a friend of mine sent me the other day. It's about the weather forecast and it says... Snow is possible anywhere, from 1 to 180 inches deep, maybe or possibly. It could start at 7, 8, 9 or 10 o'clock, maybe 11 o'clock. Possibly not until tomorrow morning. Maybe not at all. Actually, it might rain. That rather sums up the weather forecast nicely. I don't know where he got that from. Probably on uh, Twitter. or It's X now, is it? They call it X. But I thought that was rather good. It's now Saturday, so I shall end the episode. Just one more thing. Storm Aisha, Isha, don't know how you would pronounce that. UK on alert for weekend wipeout. <laughs> truth, as 80 mile an hour winds hit. So we, we've had all sorts of weather warnings. And, and there's another weather warning just come up. So I hope my amateur radio aerials are all okay. At the moment, well, it's half ten in the morning. Quite a wind from the west. I think the worst of it is tonight, about uh, 2300 hours UK time, of course. Lashing wind and uh, the rain, of course. Lashing rain, I should say, and wind. Or lashing everything by the sound of it. But a lot milder. The wind is coming up from the south apparently later on. So as it comes up across Europe, it should be a little bit warmer. Certainly warmer than the beast from the east or the whatever it is from the north. <laughs> OK, take care everyone. I will see you on Wednesday with the midweek message of course. Until then, have a good week. Enjoy yourselves. Do everything I wouldn't do and everything I would do. Main thing is stay healthy. Thanks for listening. See you Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.